you. We open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. We open our lives to you. We give you who we are because you gave everything for us, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's hear it for the Lord through this band this morning. Man. You know, guys, stepping across the line to getting me excited about Jesus. It's hard to preach when I'm so excited, but I'm going to try to do it. I want to say welcome home today to each and every one of you here. You may have been at CFCF, Community of Faith, a thousand times, or maybe your first time, but I welcome you here. Um, my name is Jeff Bianchi, and I'm the lead pastor here at CFCF, otherwise known as Community of Faith. My wife, Sarah, and I uh, were married 12 years ago in August. We have four children, Jude 6, Jake 5 as of this weekend. Live uh, getting toward two and Lux, four, year, four and a half, almost five months old. You know, we at CFCF believe that God has called us to be a family on mission. Why don't you say that word? Family on mission. Say that. Very simply, we gather around the living God in worship and in prayer. Man, we believe that the great thing about us as a community is the one who's among us. You know, people might say, that's a really neat community. It's because the Lord Jesus is right here in our midst. We gather together intentionally in small groups throughout the week called our faith groups. Uh, Any of you out there been involved in a faith group before? Well, I mean, they're going and they're going to keep going. And we want to gather together to encourage one another in our faith and strengthen one another in our lives with Jesus. We also seek to expand God's kingdom. It's not enough for us just to to worship God and to experience His love among us, but we are not satisfied until every person that has not heard the good news of Jesus has heard the good news of Jesus. At least we have been a part of seeing that happen. We believe in planting new churches. We here were first a church plant 17 years ago. We've planted uh, three other churches in our city, uh, three other churches in our nation, and we've got church planting teams throughout the nations. We believe that we expand the kingdom of God through multiplying our small groups. Our college groups are going to be multiplying out. Excited about that? Man. And our young adults are going to be multiplying out. And we believe that a part of that life is multiplication. And we believe God, as we've planted different churches, is giving us a fresh wind to begin praying and believing Him for the next ventures He'd have for us in expanding His kingdom. And um, yeah, we desire, whether it's your first time, as I said, or you've been here uh, many, many times, that you would feel a part of this family. A perfect family? No. But a family with a heart after Jesus and desire to welcome you in to all that God is and all that God is about. You know, I've been speaking recently. I, I promise you that there will be no people harmed in the making of this illustration, okay? None of you will have to say a word. That might make you feel a little bit better. But uh, let me see here. Why don't you come on up? I'm going to go easy on you, Justin. Come on. So as I've been telling you, if I touch you, you come with me and you stay where I tell you, okay? No, just fine. <laughs> Thank you. Look good right there. Okay, I'll be back. <clears throat> um, anyway, I've been talking over the last few weeks about... Uh, um, my college days, and I spoke about the fact that when I was in college, come on up on your first day, Tim. Thank you, man. 
Love you. I'm not going to make anyone else on their first day, but I know Tim's dad. So uh, anyway, I was talking about uh, when I was uh, in college and how I was a wild man and trying to find all my needs met and illicit pleasures throughout the, uh, um, you know, throughout the days of college. I was uh, um, drunk and I was high and I was in broken relationships left and right. I've already warned you, so you, I'm not really picking on uh, Sweet Rose here. But she's coming on. Anyway, I was talking about the fact that um, I gave my life to Jesus uh, when, when God got a hold of me my junior year of college. Anybody else want to be a volunteer here, by the way? Come on up. Come on up, all right? I'll just let the four of you be there. Maybe one more if I think about it. If you look at me wrong. No. And uh, I was talking about the fact that... Uh, um, when I uh, started walking with Jesus, I was involved in a fraternity. And these were the guys I used to party with all the time. And I had a big choice to make because I surrendered my life to Jesus. What was I going to do? Was I going to join the Christian fraternity that, that, um, that chose all the cool Christians? And by the way, what's Christian about that anyway? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm all for fraternities. But was I going to slide on over to the Christian fraternity? Or was I going to stay in this animal house thing called Fidel? that I was involved in. This was a big question for me. And uh, I wanted to know what God had. Well, anyway, I decided and felt through prayer that I should stay involved with my fraternity. Stay involved there. And they eventually, because nobody else was interested in God that I knew of, they voted me to be chaplain. And I became chaplain, and I started these Bible studies. I'm going to get one more of you. Anyway, I started these Bible studies. And, well, I thought they were going to be Bible studies, I had one or two Bible studies. Why don't you come with your wife? She's, she's lovely. And you're nice too. But uh, anyway, so I did these Bible studies. And the only thing was some of my friends would come, only a couple of them. Bianchi's in this phase now. I guess I'll come, you know, and help him out. And they were totally uncomfortable during the Bible study. So I couldn't figure out what in the world was I going to do. How was I going to reach these guys? They quit coming after once or twice. It was the best they could do. And they said, have at it, Bianc, your religious fanaticism, whatever they thought. And I thought, what in the world am I going to do? So I'm involved in my fraternity, and I can't figure it out. Well, the thing that I was going to do is um, I decided I needed to go where they were. I couldn't bring them to me. I couldn't bring them to my Bible study. I couldn't bring them. I needed to go where they were. I needed to go, right, to their parties. That's what they did. These guys partied left and right. Let me make sure I say it right so that you see what happened here. And as I go here and get one more, what I want to say today is that Jesus goes, you knew it, didn't you? Jesus goes where people are to bring them to himself. You see that? Jesus goes where people are, just as I went out, to bring them to himself. Thank you. You may go. And we'll think about that today. We're going to talk about it. Um, (laughs) Please read this passage with me. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It says this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. 
Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother stood, uh, said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much wine to drink. Too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him let's start out again i want to read just the first two verses here as we see jesus has gone to a wedding in cana of galilee it says on the third day a wedding took place at cana in galilee jesus mother was there and jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding we see here as we've talked about about Jesus going where people are to bring them to himself. We see here that Jesus went to parties because he loved to be where people are. Jesus loved to be where people are. Jesus did not live a cloistered life. Now, I, I, I'm thankful for certain traditions that, that, um, that are cloistered. <laughs> In the Christian church, but Jesus did not live a cloistered, separated life, pulling himself back from everyone in some aura of holiness. You know, Jesus engaged the culture that he was involved in. He didn't he wasn't ruled by it, but he engaged it and he didn't separate himself from it. <clears throat> now, everywhere, practically everywhere we turn in the New Testament, Jesus is at a party. He is somewhere at a party with other people. Let's look at a few of these things. Jesus did his first miracle. We just read it right here. At what? A party. You know, I've seen some of you at those wedding feasts. I'm not out there doing that, but I just did. But Jesus was at this party. He did his first miracle. At Cana in Galilee, he did a miracle. Jesus had a party with his disciples at Matthew, the tax collector's house. Tax collectors, as has been shared before, were not uh, the upright, upstanding citizens of their day. Jesus had a party at a tax collector's house. Jesus had a party at Zacchaeus' house, another tax collector. Not even a tax collector, but a chief of the tax collectors. Jesus had a party at a leper's house. All kinds of interesting things. A leper, right? The skin disease which through someone not able to feel uh, their hands and their feet, that they, they end up losing parts of their body. And leprosy, such a disease of that time that, through, uh, um, that, that was not able to be treated as in many ways it is today. But he had a party at Simon the leper's house. How about Lazarus? After Lazarus, after Jesus said, Come forth! Jesus had a party at Lazarus' house. The religious guys weren't very happy about this party because it was proof of Jesus' divinity and his power. 
But he did. There was the festival of dedication. There was the Passover feast. And Jesus, if you'll look throughout Scripture, tells all kinds of stories about parties. Now, um, Jesus never went anywhere, however, I want to say this, without a purpose. Jesus always had a purpose in where he's going. Jesus did not just happen to be somewhere. He knew where he was going and he knew why he was going there. Jesus went to these parties. Why? Why did he go to parties? Because people were there. And? Why else? Because people were in their real element. People were not religious. People were not putting on shades of I'm this way and, and I'm that way. They, they, they were not just trying to act a certain way. People at parties were in their real condition. People wanted to be with real people in their real condition. Just to be with them? Just to revel with them in life? No. Although he revels in life as no one else. He came there to be an instrument of change wherever he went. Jesus, do you realize that today? Jesus loves to be with us. Jesus absolutely loves to be where he is invited. As we've worshipped him, we've praised him today, Jesus loves to be with us. But he goes there. Jesus sought people out. And Jesus brought the kingdom of God. He said this many, many times. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is not something in the physical realm as you've been thinking about, but the kingdom of God is among you by the Spirit. When the blind see, when the dead are raised, when the sick are healed, when those who are under the bondage of the devil are delivered of demons, the kingdom of God is among you. I'm bringing the kingdom to you. Now, we all should go where we're invited. We should go where people are, in our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, wherever that might be. We should not have to wait for people to come into a gymnasium or, or a church building. Ours is a gymnasium. We should not have to wait for people to even come into our home or come into our little gathering of parties, even our, home, even our faith groups, right? We should be those people who go where the people are in order to bring them back to God. You know, the church is not a location. It is a people. The church is not a building. Church is a living organism with divine power by God to transform our city and to transform the nations of the earth. Neil Cole in his book, Organic Church, says it this way. I like this. People shouldn't have to leave life to go to church. I like that. What does that mean? People should not have to leave where they are in order to experience the kingdom of God. People shouldn't have to come to this building, although I love them to come and I want them to come. I want to bless and encourage and strengthen. This is a celebration. But people shouldn't have to come to our buildings, come to our homes. We bring the church to them. It's just like a woman at Panera Bread that I spoke with a, a few, uh, I spoke with you a couple of weeks ago. We, John and I meet together many times. And uh, one of the things that we do at times, John Clark and I, is we ask the people where we are, if we meet somewhere, how we can pray for them. And I asked a woman how I could pray for her. She was, um, I won't give you any more details. But as I asked her how I could pray for her, I shared this with you a couple weeks ago, she pulled aside. She was in leadership there, let's just say. She pulled aside and she said, yes, pray for my husband. He's on heroin. And I, I don't know what to do. We need him to get off of heroin. Man, that's the kingdom of God there. 
I laid my hands. I believed for God. I spoke life into her, into her life. That's bringing the kingdom. She didn't have to come to this building to get prayer for her husband on heroin, did she? She didn't have to leave her life where she works in order to experience him. And that's what it's about when Jesus went to these parties. You know, I want to make a side note here, however, on this first piece, that Jesus went to parties because that's where people are. Here's the thing. Just as Jesus did not go to parties without a purpose, we should not go to places where people are, especially where people are reveling, without a purpose. You're not to go there just to go there. What we go, as those who are believers in Jesus, we're to be on mission. Say, be on mission. And we're to be on guard. Say, be on guard. Not guarded in our affections for God or His care for other people, but guarded in our hearts over who we are. We're on mission. My wife and I love to go to the parties that our neighbors throw. Man, I love them. They're wonderful. But we go there on mission with a purpose to bring the kingdom of God to our neighbors. And they are wonderful people who know our love. But even the last time we were at a get-together, just a few days ago, my wife was able to share the good news of Jesus with all of our neighbors as we've been among them. We didn't have no purpose going. We could have gone and not shared something because we've been building relationship with these people for a long time. But at that point, we went on purpose to be able to expand the kingdom of God into their lives where they live. I like those things. I like sitting around with my neighbors and getting involved in their lives. <clears throat> but we should also not only be on mission, we need to be on guard don't go to parties carelessly. <laughs> Don't put yourself in compromising situation. Wherever it may be, there are compromising situations. We need to be thoughtful about where we go, and we need to be thoughtful about why we go there. Try not to go alone, first of all. You are not the Savior of the world. Jesus is. Bring someone with you as Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. But you know, Jesus didn't send the disciples, as I said, out one by one. He sent them out two by two. And they will help you not compromise your values. But Jesus went to parties where people were because he had everything already he needed in his God, in, in the Father. Jesus wasn't going to that party to gain identity like so many of us do. <laughs> can I be in the in crowd or can I be accepted? Can I? No, Jesus already had his identity in his Father. He already um, knew where his true contentment uh, was. He already knew all of this. And then he went to the party in order to give something to be on mission. And I think he enjoyed himself while he did it, too. So the first part that we're talking about here is that Jesus went to parties, as this series is entitled Partying God, because that's where people were. And that's where people were in their real lives, where he could get a hold. Let's read here now again, John 2, 3 through 9. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used for the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out. Take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. I want to say something first before I get to this point, which is that I've said it a hundred times, but I'll say it again. Jesus 
is not a killjoy. He is a give joy. Jesus is not seeking to eliminate laughter from the face of the earth. He's not seeking, as I said earlier, God's not a cosmic killjoy desiring to extinguish every bit of enjoyment. Jesus would have turned the water into grapefruit juice if he was, you know, not concerned. I don't like grapefruit juice. I don't know what it is, but Jesus changed the water into wine that gladdens the heart of a man, as it says in the Scripture. Jesus is one who desires his, the fullness of life for his people. Jesus did not wait around for people to come to him. Jesus goes where these people are. So parties is what we're talking about today. Jesus went to these parties. Jesus goes where people are in order to bless them. Jesus didn't go. Well, Jesus went to bless them. Jesus didn't wait around for people to come to him. He went to them. But here's the deal and what Jesus was doing. As I said, Jesus wasn't going to these parties to get his own needs met. Jesus was going as an overflow. Let's look what happened with the religious crowd when Jesus went to parties. Do you think the religious crowd liked it? I don't think so. Let's look. Okay. Matthew eleven eighteen nineteen. For John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. I can tell you this at these parties. Jesus was never once out of control. He was under the control of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was never once beyond the, the pale of, of walking in humility, walking in the Spirit. But in Matthew, he was accused of being a, uh, a, a drunkard and, and a glutton. And you know, people were uncomfortable with Jesus spending time with the lost. They were used to their cloister way of life, where holiness means staying away from unclean things. And they had it wrong. They thought that people... <laughs> they. God did tell them to stay away from people because of idolatry in the Old Testament, but he, people were cloistered away, these Pharisees, these religious people, from the people. But that was not the way that Jesus did it. Jesus, though, they, though people were uncomfortable with him being at parties, his deeds proved that he was powerful. You know, another thing we can note here is that miracles tend to happen in the middle of life more than in a church service or more than in a synagogue. Jesus did more miracles in the midst of people than he did in the synagogue that I can see scripturally. Jesus wants to bless people where they are. Absolutely fascinating sequence of events here. Jesus, the wine runs out at this party. Jesus' mother comes over to him. Hey, Jesus, I know you love people. I know you love to bless people. I've seen it in your heart ever since you were a little boy. Come on, can you change the water into wine? Jesus, you can see the interplay between Jesus and his mother. Come on, mom his mom it's not time for me to begin my miracle working well her hunger and her desire brought something of god from the future for the future into the present day she knew his heart she knew his desire to bless people she knew he did not want the people and the owner of that banquet to be shamed you see jesus is not into shaming people he's into freeing people from shame praise his holy name and jesus said okay mom i love you i um, don't want to see this person shamed so so the stone water jars are there. And you can just imagine what the situation was like. You know, his mom with a mischievous twinkle in her eyes. 
knowing what he's capable of and answering him back and telling his servants. You know, as I said earlier, in my life, I surrendered it to Jesus in college and I decided to stay involved in my animal house fraternity. It was an animal house fraternity of sorts. And um, I, I was trying to figure out, you know, I went to the same parties with the same people. Same parties, same people, different purpose why I was going. But I felt that God told me to go. And here were a few things. Instead of going to the party to impress people, I went to the parties to identify with people. Toward the end of the night when my friends were drunk, they would share of their broken hearts. They would begin sharing things, really, um, because they were where they were uh, in their real condition. They shared with me. Instead of going to the party to serve my own desires, I went to serve those around me. To the end of the night, I became the, the uh, not the drunk driving specialist. What are those people called? The designated driving specialist. I drove more people home for more reasons and uh, got them home and served them. You know, because this is the point. We want to be a spiritual thermometer and not just a spiritual thermostat in this world. A spiritual thermometer? What does a thermometer do? If you have a thermometer up in your uh, bedroom or in your living room, a thermometer, it only has the power to tell you what the temperature is. It is dictated by its environment. But a thermostat, man, if I could walk over to a thermostat right now, I would turn it on to cool because I'm a little warm up here. But a thermostat dictates the environment that it's in. And that's what Jesus did and that's what we're called to do in the life of where we're going his power, our, uh, we have power through the Spirit when we go with purpose into places where people are to change the spiritual environment. Last time I checked, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 is still in the Bible. And I like that verse because it says, The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Picture all that power raising Jesus out of the grave. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me. He's living in you. And He will give power to your mortal bodies. When we come on the scene, we come into carnality, we come into people seeking their own desires, and we say, I'm going to bless you with God's love and His care, and I'm going to change the environment that I'm in. That's us going out among our people, among the people in our city that we love, and changing the environment. John 2, 9 and 11 through 11 says this, Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best for na until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Man, Jesus went where people were to bless them. What were some of the ways that Jesus blessed people? Just think about it. How about the, the woman who was literally thought of as unclean, who was bleeding for uh, 11 years or more. She was bleeding and she had suffered, it says, under the care of many doctors. This was an incredible shame upon this woman. This was an incredible problem. And she came up to Jesus in the crowd. And she touched him because he was among the people. She touched the hem of his garment and she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. 
praise the holy name of Jesus. Jesus wants to free us from our suffering. Jesus loves to bless people. What about Zacchaeus, the friendless man? Jesus blessed him with a friendship. What about the woman caught in the act of adultery? Jesus blessed this woman with a father who loved her, who looked at her, and he spoke identity and forgiveness to her. Jesus loves to bless people. But I'm telling you this, the ultimate blessing that Jesus brings to people is reconciliation, coming back to Him. Coming back to God. Jesus did many things for many people. He broke the bread. He blessed them. He calmed the storm. He blessed. Everywhere He went, to the parties, He was blessing people. But it ultimately brought people back to God. Praise His name. We see here, as a result of Jesus blessing people, changing the water to wine, that His disciples, if you'll notice in the Scripture, if you go back real quickly, in the Scripture it says, what Jesus did was the first of His signs through which He revealed His glory. What does it say here? And His disciples... Oh, it's not up there. How could you know? And His disciples believed in Him. They saw Him bless. He blessed. They believed. We bless in the name of Jesus. People believe. It's very interesting You can see here in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, it says this, Or do you show contempt? Paul speaking to the the Romans. Or do you uh, show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness leads you to repentance. Jesus' blessing. If, if we picture, if we, every one of us, went into the worlds that we were involved in and we went with a heart to bless them like nobody's ever blessed them before in their lives, to pray for them, to carry their, their problems, to maybe carry their furniture, to do whatever it is that God would pour His Spirit out upon them, what would it look like? Lives would be transformed forever. You know, one of the guys I served at these parties as I'm coming to a close here, that I went uh, to, these different parties I went to with my friends in college, was one of my best friends, and his name was John. And John was probably the wildest guy I ever knew. I mean, he was a wild man. He was actually the one that first introduced me to the wilder side of life. And I would go to these parties, and John would be there. I I would go to lunch with him after I started walking with Jesus. And John would always say, and it's funny, he was a funny guy, he said, Bianc! I don't know what's going on with this phase of yours, but Bianc, come back to reality, man. We're out there partying. You've got to hear about last night. Wow, it was, you know, anyway. Bianc. And uh, he had the blessing and the unfortunate uh, realization that, or, or situation in his life that he lived in a very affluent area called Highland Park in Dallas, Texas. And he had, en- he had desire for partying and he had money to party. And he did it. And his life kept on going. And after a while, you know, I'd, I would meet with him and I thought, is anything ever going to happen in this guy's life? I mean, I don't think I'm making any difference. Bianc, get over this phase. Well, I ended up graduating from college and I went to Waco, Texas to do a training school. Let's hear it for the training school, similar to yours. All right. And I ended up doing this training school. And one night I was asleep and the phone rang and I was awakened from my sleep. And I get on the phone And I hear weeping 
on the end of the phone. I'm like, what is going on? And it's John. And John says, Bianc. He said, Bianc, man, I've been partying. Uh, and, but my family came in. They, my girlfriend broke up with me. My family did an intervention. They came in on me. And I went to Narcotics Anonymous. And they asked me this deal about the higher power. You need a higher power in your life. And I remembered all the conversations that we had. And man, I'm called to tell you, I'm going with Jesus, man. I'm following Jesus with all of my heart. For the rest of my days, I'm going to go for Him. If there was one guy unlikely to come to Jesus, it was John. And John came to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you. Oh, he said it this way in our old vernacular. Dude. Dude. We could say dude in more ways. I'll give you a few later. My life is never going to be the same again. And I'm here to tell you today, John's life has never been the same from that day. 25 years. He spent 13 years in China as a missionary with his wife and his kids. He spent 25 years giving his heart to Jesus. And I want to be like this guy. He's all out for God. I tell you, when Jesus saves you, the devil can't snatch you away. You're his. All you got to do is say, I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender all. That's really what it's about. You see, Jesus goes where people are. Jesus went to these parties where people were to bless them. But he didn't just go to bless them. But he went to bless them in such a way that they were brought back to him. Jesus goes where people are so that people will come to him. And I believe Jesus today is calling some of you in this room to come home. For the first time in your life, you have an understanding. God has my number in a good way. God has been pursuing me through a stage of events, through relationships that I have. And what I've been talking about today is really the gospel message. Adam and Eve, at the very beginning of creation, they chose the one avenue that God gave them to to submit to Him and, and to obey. They chose to disobey God. They ate of the fruit in the garden and sin came in. And sin caused a chasm. God had warned them, if, if you eat of the tree of this garden, you will die. And that death, did, it did set in the process of death that we see in, in our lives and existence today. But he was not speaking merely of a physical death. Because Adam and Eve didn't die just that second. But he spoke of a spiritual death. A spiritual separation from God. And that spiritual separation from God is a place of a, of a godless existence for eternity. It ultimately leads there. A place called hell. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. And to die on the cross for me. To take the punishment of your sin and of my sin so that we would have eternal life. I want us to stand a moment as the band comes forward. Jesus came where we are. 
Think about it for a moment. Jesus. Jesus was enthroned in heaven with the Father. It says clearly in the book of John, in the first chapter, that Jesus, the Word, was with God from the beginning. Jesus was where He was. He was plenty comfortable with all of His glory and goodness in His Father. But Jesus came where people were to this earth in order to bring us back to God. Praise the holy name of Jesus. I want to say today that Jesus came for you. There's not one sin that you have committed in your life that Jesus is unable to forgive. And Jesus wants to forgive you today. I want to say that if you're on a journey and you're willing to accept the fact that Jesus alone is the way to enter the way into eternal life, I want to ask you to pray with me. And I want to ask you to receive Jesus. This is a simple prayer, but it's a life-changing, altering, eternity-altering one. It's very simple. You need to admit that you're a sinner. That you and have been born into sin as each and every human being since Adam and Eve, born from Adam and Eve, has been born into sin. Admit it. That's just what, that's really what it is. Repentance. It's calling it what it is. God, I admit it. I have sinned. It's not just the sins, but my heart is sinful apart from you. And you'll accept the death of Jesus on the cross for you. You realize that Jesus was, as in the Old Testament, the Lamb was slain. For, for the sins of the people, that Jesus is the Lamb of God that on Him was taken every one of your sins. If you're willing to acknowledge you're a sinner, you're willing to acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and you're willing to believe in Him and follow Him the rest of your life, you've come home to God. And you are reunited to Him. I want you to pray after me. I want us all to close our eyes. And I want you to pray after me. You desire to give your life to Jesus today. It's not the magic of the prayer, but if you have a true heart desire to confess your sin and receive Jesus, I promise you, He'll answer your prayer. Pray after me. Jesus, thank you that you created me I admit that I have sinned, that I have rebelled against you, God, and I've gone my own way. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. So that I could have eternal life. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord, as my Savior. And I want to follow you the rest of the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of my sins and making me new. I would like to know 
If you prayed and gave your life to follow Jesus today, I want you just to raise your hand. And I want us to be able to pray for you and pray for your new life. Whoever here prayed and gave their heart to follow Jesus today. have more questions about how to walk with Jesus, we want to invite you to be a part of our family and to grow in a relationship with God. We're going to have a, a, a song here where we're just going to worship God with all our hearts. And what we want to do is we want to thank God that He came to us and He was with us as people, came to us in order to bring us back to Him. Band, let's worship and let's praise God and we're going to dismiss after this song.